For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I have to say this past week has been a lot. <laughs> for the softball world, lots of stuff going on, but just also for me personally, and we're going to get into it, but I just continue to be grateful for this forum and this community because it's just always there. Always there to lean on, always there to dive into, and maybe even escape the world a little bit. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube. So please subscribe there. The video is pretty cool, if I do say so myself. We've had some just really cool additions that you can get from that channel. So just saying. But let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, share some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Tori Tyson. She's obviously a college head coach, but also connected to a lot of different parts of the softball world. And she just gets me energized every single time I talk to her. So I'm excited to hopefully give that to you too. Then we'll end things as usual with the foul tip of the week where I share tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. I'm all in on Stanford women's basketball repeating this year and getting back-to-back natties. But if you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And for us in softball, you know, the game often starts with the fans. And for the athletes, it's, it's not just the general fans, but also the fans that are closest to us that can make all the difference. So for me, I just lost my biggest fan a few days ago. Uh, my grandpa passed away, my mom's dad. 
And I can say confidently he was my biggest fan. I think my parents would even admit it too. <laughs> you know, he was an army veteran and he had uh, his room in the veterans home. And really most of the decoration was essentially a Stanford shrine or really like almost like a Jenna shrine in his room. And my mom used to joke that, you know, she didn't have a shrine. Where was hers? But he was just so proud of me. And, you know, my grandparents didn't graduate from high school either side. My parents didn't get a bachelor's degree. I'm a first generation college graduate, let alone an athlete. And it's a big deal, especially in a small town like Barstow, California. Anyone who's driven between LA and Vegas, you've driven through Barstow. Like it's, it's small place. So this kind of stuff is a really big deal. And I felt the need to share this because these are the people that help us dream and help us get there. And if it weren't for him, like in addition to my other grandparents and obviously my parents, I don't think I end up here. And I think a lot of athletes and people can relate to that. So I just want to take a moment to recognize those people in our lives. And for me, I'll do it with a tribute to him. He was the best grandpa I could have asked for. And heaven gained one hell of an angel. He was an army veteran, like I said. He was a carpenter. He made the coolest canes. Like, that's what he was known for. And he was one of the funniest people I knew. Really the OG with the dad jokes, or really the granddad jokes in his case. And he loved cats. He loved Stanford. He loved crafts. I can't even count how many cards and frames and trinkets he made me over the years. And it was always something I looked forward to. But most importantly, he loved me my mom, and everyone we love. And he always used to tell me, you know, give him hell, JB. So I just want to say, I will do my best for you, Grandpa. I love you forever. But when it comes to thinking about the best in the softball world right now, it's, it's hard not to think of Jocelyn Allo, the new home run queen. She hit number 96, finally. We've been waiting for it, and it finally happened. And a few of my favorite things about it, the fact that she did it in Hawaii in front of family and just in her home state was a thousand percent meant to be. You know, we've heard some of these stories like her family saved up $10,000 a summer so she could travel to the mainland and compete in travel ball. You know, and I had some teammates that were that way too. Like at Stanford, for example, like Ashley Hansen was from Arizona, but she would travel to California and Southern California to play travel ball. But to, to do Hawaii to the mainland, like that's a huge undertaking. And I just think that all the waiting, all the walks, all of it led to this. And sometimes the softball gods just know better than us. It's true. I know I hate to admit it, but it really is true. And I'm also just happy it was captured on camera too, right? Because you never know. Coverage varies at different schools and locations, but we got to see it. And not only that, but we got to see the reactions of her teammates, the coaches, the crowd, even the other team, like even Hawaii showed her a lot of respect, right? Which the reactions, all that stuff, that was almost as good as the actual accomplishment. Another thing that I loved was, I've said this before, but just the support from Lauren Chamberlain, but in particular, just some of these photos that we saw where she's literally putting a crown on Jocelyn Allo's head. I just think the support is everything. It's just such a small group that actually gets what it's like to be in that situation. So I think the way that Chamberlain's handling it is very gracious 
and it's very smart. It's gracious, you know, for obvious reasons, like passing the torch and just being very gracious and kind about that. But it's also smart because it's what's good for the sport. I mean, this attention will absolutely help grow the game. And hello, Lauren Chamberlain is the commissioner of the WPF, right? Like she cares about growing the game, especially after college. So guess what's going to help her in her job, right? Like it's the big picture here. And then I would say the third big thing that I loved about this entire home run chase is seeing the Hawaii pitcher who gave it up. She's the one who gave up number 96, Ashley Murphy. She tweeted basically saying thank you to Jocelyn for the opportunity and for challenging her. And I think this is also gracious and smart. There are so many other pitchers too we saw on Twitter who are like claiming the number home run that they gave up to Jocelyn Allo throughout her career. And it just makes me happy because you have to compete. Like I get it if you're intentionally walking someone as a strategy to like potentially win a ball game. But if you're, if you're not pitching to them just because you're trying to like avoid failure or being that person in history, that's lame. You know, and we saw so much of that leading up to finally getting this moment. And we're seeing a lot of good pitching performances actually across the board. You know, Megan Framo, part of some back-to-back perfect games. And she literally struck out every single batter in the second one. She only threw seven balls in the entire game. That's greatness. But you know what else is greatness is competing. Montana Fouts is another one I think of. She's been unbelievable this season. But she was human against LSU. They upset Alabama twice. But did she hide in the third game? No. She came back and she tossed a three-hitter with 10 strikeouts for the win. She competed. And that's also what makes her great. I think just the moral of the story is have a little pride about yourself. And not just you, but your team, the program, the big picture, right? The only way to really know what you're capable of is to push yourself to the limit and go for it. So I just have to give respect to Ashley and all the other pitchers owning it in that entire home run chase. And I will say, I have, I have to give her credit. Jocelyn Allo, she gave him hell. And now, now I can't wait till 100, right? And just for her to keep going and to keep giving him hell. So someone else who also knows how to give him hell is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the head coach of Howard University, former professional coach, Nebraska alum, and part of the Tyson softball dynasty, Tori Tyson. <laughs> Tori, I'm so excited to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's always a good time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you are only one of three repeat guests that we've had in like 79 episodes. It is just, right? It's just you, Natasha Watley, and Victoria Hayward. I'm up there with the big fellas. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like, I mean, I'm pretty happy about about that group. So (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, me too. (laughs) Thank you again for having me though. Yeah, of course. I mean, honestly, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation like back in season one and in 2020 with the panel um, and and particularly talking with you too. I I think it was probably easy to say one of the most impactful episodes we've ever had. Um, So I'm excited to just get more into like you individually, your story, Howard Softball, all the goodies um, today. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Yeah. Well, let me start with this. Like a lot has happened since then, obviously. Now we're in the middle of the 2022 season. So just how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing. Um, life <laughs> Life is happening, of course. Um, and I'm surviving. I, I know shortly after that, 
Um, it was just, it was heavy. It was, it was tough just being like a black woman that especially had put themselves out. Um, and so it was a great thing, but also it came with like great responsibility, you know, um, which, I mean, I would still do over and over and over again, but it definitely like changed the scope in a lot of my relationships in a positive way. Um, and opened up a lot of conversations, even with strangers. Like I had a lot of people, um, even when I was out recruiting that, um, really found the talk to be insightful. Um, and had more questions and requests me to talk to their team. So um, it definitely got really, really busy and really heavy um, post those conversations, uh, you know, during COVID. I mean, mainly because when we all got outside, like no one had seen each other in person. Um, and then obviously just, just life happening um, right now. So yeah, it's busy and I'm just, you know, going with the waves. Yeah. Right. Isn't that like, especially the last couple of years, that's been the theme, but I feel like just period, <laughs> you know, like yeah. life is just going with the waves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, we talked about Howard last time and the softball program and what you're building there a little bit, but just wanting to dive a little deeper this time and maybe ask you straight up, like, what do you feel like are the defining characteristics of Howard softball? Um, wow. I think it's in transition. Um, mm. I think that it is a, a group, a spirited group. Um, it's unfortunate because when you look at the math of my time at Howard, I've never had a full year at Howard. Um, and so beyond the fact that you're under-resourced and all of those things, um, it's very tough to change a culture that you've never even gotten to spend a straight like nine months with, you know, um, and really build it. Um, and then there's so many changes. And then COVID, I think everyone changed. So even the young women that I got to know, like they changed and involved during COVID, you know, evolved during COVID. And it was like re-getting to know each other. Um, and so, to, like I said, I come in um, in a December, right? Or basically I got two weeks to practice with them and then we jump right into season. And we're not at a university my first year where we could like come back really early um, and go train in Arizona or Florida for a couple of weeks. It was like, let's practice for two weeks and hit the field. So it was very much a honeymoon and it was like very basic information. And we just kind of like jumped in and we ended up doing well in the postseason. And then, you know, then you come back and it's like they wanted a repeat of that. But it's never the same, right, when you're like the new toy. Especially as a coach, you come in, you're the new toy. I could do no wrong. I love Coach. I love Howard. I love my team. But really, when you just come in, you have to, like, pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. And so you can't change an entire culture in, like, six months. So there was, like, just these three things I'm going to try to, like, focus on and just in committing to time. And you can't be late. And you got to be in uniform. Like, we're talking about trying to change a culture from the bottom up that way. Um, that didn't even have that kind of standard. Um, and then you come in and I gave them a tougher schedule um, because we had lost like our a pitcher that was a huge part of our culture. Mackenzie Steele bled Howard Blue. She's the grad assistant at Nebraska. And so she was a big factor in like helping with that transition of me, right? Um, completely trying to come in with this whole new standard and change. And she was a great bridge of gap. And you need someone on your team that's just great at that. That's great at being the bridge between the coach and the locker room. And so we lost that in her. So then that next year, um, we struggled. It was a tougher schedule, but we still like we're hitting, but still. And then COVID hit. And then that changes everything. So then when you came back that next year, so we didn't get to come back in the fall of the uh, 2021 season. 
we came back and practiced for three weeks and then hit the season. So even then it was once a year, another, once again, another year of just like, this is what we're going to focus on. And we're just going to go out there and figure it out. Nothing powerful is happening in, in those years or nothing really sustainable because you're just trying to like, let's just get out. We were just happy to be out the house. Right. Um, and so I think for everybody, I know you coach different, like who's like coaching all the little details and things that are real culture changers when these young women were just stuck in the house for almost a year. Um, and so then you come into this year that I recruited this really, really big and talented freshman class. Um, but my upperclassmen, like my juniors and seniors have never had a full year of college softball. And so for them, this is like their first time having a full fall and then going into a spring and seeing these transitions. And um, But yet they're trying to lead a group of like 13 freshmen. And so it's um, – Again, I, I feel like our spark, and, it, and, and I'm just trying to tell them to stay the course. Um, they have to stay the course. And um, our time, right, time has derailed our plans a bit, but that's life. Um, and I'm still just, I, this is an exciting group. Um, and I'm still just all in on what this is going to look like when it does. Um, we just, we're riding the waves of what time and lack of resources has done to us. Um, but they're just, they're fiery um, and they're hungry. And again, like, if we could go like, you know, their journey, you can't take it away from these young women. They're top notch student athletes and we have to go train at nine o'clock at night to get to an indoor sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they're going nine to 11. And so our first parts of season are always very slow. Um, number one, we don't have a field. So sometimes we're going on these tournaments and seeing dirt for the first time. How do you get mad at an infield that hasn't read a ball on dirt? Um, and almost the last time we had seen dirt before we played um, our first weekend tournament was in November when we played at George Washington. Um, University of Maryland was so gracious and let us use their field when they traveled opening weekend um, just so I could give them like a little bit of time on dirt. So, um, again, you can't take away their ambition. Um, and, I, you know, all great things are going to take time. And so that's just kind of been the message of stay the course, right? And getting the right people in um, and, and the people that can just stay focused on the task at hand. And I think that we're there. I mean, this is the best group and just these are kids that are all in in wanting to change a culture and wanting to change Howard softball. And it means something to them. Um, I genuinely feel like our flip, like we're right around the corner yeah. um, of major change. And, and I'm so excited about it. Well, that is what it takes. You're 100% right. It's like that change doesn't just happen, right? There's so much that leads up to it. And you are putting those foundational pieces in place. And I've always appreciated about you is that you're open about the challenges, you know? And, yeah. and it's like you, I feel you're talking about how the team is fiery and scrappy and all these things, but I've always gotten that from you too. So clearly it's from the top down, but you know, and just fighting for your team, like to, to get that time at Maryland, right? Like to, to find mm -hmm. these facilities, like I know like we were, we all rallied to like donate right to the program. And, and that was because of your leadership, you know, and, and just your commitment to the cause. So I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how that all plays out too, because I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for you guys. Yep. I, um, I, I get emotional just like the, about this program because they mean, these women mean so much to me. Um, and, and it is important as a coach, like I don't want, to coach young women that I have to like limit my fire. I don't, I don't think that that's appropriate for them or me. Um, you know what I mean is that you need yeah. to play behind a, a woman that you believe in. And at the same time, 
you always want to coach a locker room full of people that can feel your fire and not let it burn them. Um, and that is important. And um, even more now than ever, uh, we recently just lost my daughter's father. And the way that they rally for my daughter, I don't ever feel like it's enough. Like I, my, my love for Howard only grows in, like tr in trials. Um, and they are like, Skylar is just, is, she's so protected uh, by this village. And that's what I mean. Like we've, in a short time, endured so much with each other. And I can't, I can't fight for them enough. And the bison are special and it is a special culture that we're building um, despite the limitations. And it's much bigger than softball because we take on so much together. Um, and you're absolutely right. My administration would say this. I fight tooth and nail for them um, because they're worth it. And I could definitely maybe go into easier situations. And every time I've been offered a, it, that opportunity, maybe or an easier situation, I think about the women um, who have stayed committed through all of these trials, right? And these the time we've gotten taken away. Um, I could never leave them. I could not leave this because, yes, it's better than what I found it, but it's not enough. Um, and, and I want to finish a job. Right. Mm, gosh, I'm like already getting the chills. See, this is what happens when I talk to you. Like, <laughs> you fire me up. Like, I love this. But I, I know we talked about this off podcast too, but I did want to say also that I'm sending all the love and the light to you and Skylar and your family. And I am really happy though, that you have that community at Howard, like to your point, like everything you just said, it's like, that's what you hope for to have surrounding you. So I'm, I'm really happy for you for that reason. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also remember too, um, and you, you're, you're getting there already with this conversation, but I think we talked about, or maybe I read that you kind of always knew or had a feeling that your first head coaching job would be at an HBCU, a historically black college or university. Yeah. And yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> well, no, I wanted it to be not um, like when I took Bethune, um, I was like down on my luck and needed to, it was really like, I wanted to get into something I love, but I needed something with Skylar, right. That was sustainable. Um, and I was emailing. And like I said, I, I, it's like 75 to 80 emails that I had sent out um, over that summer, the course of when she turned one. And Laura Watton was at Maryland and had actually offered me the GA position. And then um, I was like, no way I could move to the DMV on a GA stipend with the kid. Um, so I was, you know, just went about, I got so many no's and so many like, oh, not right now. Uh, maybe later. And they would like hire a pitching coach or someone like you know, like a week, weeks later. Um, and then Watton actually took the job at Bethune-Cookman. And it was after, I mean, I literally tell people this story, like I was crying, struggling with bills, had given blood, sold clothes to Plato's Closet in Lincoln, shout out to Plato's Closet in Lincoln, um, and was just down on my luck and really like prayed. And I'm like, I need a miracle. And the next morning, I kid you not, I had an email from Laura Watton at Bethune-Cookman. And that's when she offered me the grad assistant position, um, as well as the pitching coach position at Bethune-Cookman. And I loved it. And it was as a Black woman that went to a PWI, um, it was my first time seeing Black excellence up close. And so it was, uh, it was an environment I really wasn't looking to leave, if I'm being very honest. I love Daytona Beach. Um, I had a great village out there, just even administratively, to see a Black woman that is an associate AD and a black man heading an athletic department was all very new to me. 
Um, and the history of so much is black excellence that ran through that HBCU um, just really touched me and it felt at home. And I wanted my daughter to be able to grow and see this, you know, and um, that I, I totally had intentions of staying. And then that summer, I got three really, really good offers. Um, and I say that I got an offer from Arizona State, Maryland and Cal State Fullerton. Um, and I decided to go home and I really wanted to go at that time, Cal State Fullerton was like tinkering at about fifth place. Um, and so for a lot of reasons, I knew that I wanted to be a head coach and I'd made this goal with myself before Skyler started kindergarten. That was my goal. Um, just to have control of schedule in life. Like we all are in this for different reasons. And um, I couldn't really care what people thought about me moving because I knew that my main goal was that. I wanted to have control of my schedule by the time my daughter started school. I needed that as a single mom to survive in this profession. Um, and so I knew at Cal State Fullerton, if I made a difference, it would show a little bit more because it wasn't this team that was like already winning, um, but they were like right on the cusp. They were at this point, um, it was before we start, like, started the run of winning a couple championships. It was like fifth place. And so um, I, I was really cognizant about that, but a part of me always wanted to go back to an HBCU. Um, every job I had after that, there was always this piece of me um, that was longing, right, to see women and men that look like me in positions of power and making decisions for an entire university. Um, you just can't beat that. And you can't beat your daughter being able to see that and, and making that real life. And so um, it was, it was it, again, it was always something that was in the back of my head of something that I wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I, I remember I we won two championships at Fullerton and went to Maryland. Um, and I promise you it was ordained. Like, just so blessed that the HBCU I got to go back to was like the Mecca. I didn't get to go back to just like any other, any old HBCU. It was Howard University, you know, one that as a young minority, you hear about it, you hear it in all these songs. Um, it's like, it's like a dream for, especially like regular students. They spend their whole, you know, academic careers preparing to come to Howard University. So when I took University of Maryland, I was on edge, like, something was always calling me to the DMV. And I, I don't know what it was. Like, I, like, as you notice, even in that story, there were so many DMV connections. And then when I took Maryland and Howard came open a year later, um, I knew, I knew that this was the job that had been waiting for me all along. Oh yeah. I mean, and it, it's one of those things too, right? Where it's like, once you do it, like you knew before, but then yeah. you really know once yeah. you're there, like that's the vibe I get from you where it's like, oh, now that I'm here, like, I couldn't have been more right, you yeah, know, <laughs> like, absolutely, absolutely. yeah, it's just, I, it's been so fun to watch you. I think it's awesome. And, and also like, you know, that's a big move just considering you're from Southern California and it's, you know, across the country and family means a lot to you. I know. And yeah. that's, that's like, that is commitment to, to your vision, you know, yeah. to, to be able to do that. And um, I'm very grateful and that I did. And I took that risk. Skylar's father was in Jersey. And so it made that a drive away in that time we would meet halfway. And so it bridged that gap. And I'm so grateful because she'll have those memories um, that will now have to last her a lifetime. And so mm -hmm. all of this was just perfectly ordained. And this was even just another reminder as I go through these pictures, if I don't, if I don't take that Maryland risk um, and take that job, um, she doesn't get those memories. And, um, so yeah, it, it really is. I, I always feel that on my worst days, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you, that's what you want. Even though the, the worst days 
suck. <laughs> but if you can feel that, you know, that's what we all strive for, basically, is what you just said. Like, we want to be able to have that reminder, at least feel like it's still right, even if it's really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. But I, I think the thing that I'm curious to from your side is I know you're like, yeah, this is a work in progress, like what you're doing at Howard. And I think really the way you've talked about kind of like the conference as a whole too, like it's a building process. So what is your vision? Like I know right now, you know, you're working on these initial steps, but like what's the longer term vision for Howard? And you know what, like for, for the conference as well. Yeah, um, I think that as a conference, just getting the recognition. We, I have some unbelievable athletes. So if you'll notice in our, um, we added Iowa State late, and because um, I do, I, I have athletes that just don't get the platform. So I think I'm trying to do a better job of letting us be visible to people who make decisions. You know what I mean? Um, I think that that's the first step, and that's not just for Howard. That's for all of them. So um, me, when I when I get connected with the NFCA. Um, or I'm getting those opportunities. I'm always trying to put them on game about other programs that are doing really special things and have really special athletes um, that they should that should be considered for major awards. And so yeah. I, I take that with great responsibility that it's not just about Howard. Um, I want to see young minority student athletes thrive wherever it's at. Um, it's not always going to be here. Um, and so I think that just being able to tell their stories and being in positions to tell their stories um, is key for me to start. Um, for us individually, I do feel like I've done that and I've I've done that intentionally. And I did. I've seen someone like right under like a D1 softball thing. Like, you know, there's other HBCUs besides Howard. Um, and so I do encourage them. And I tell these coaches, um, I annoy the heck out of people that can make decisions and can do media things because I am going to brag on my team. I'm going to brag on my program because that is important to me. Um, right. And it has to be important. It, it is like Eventually, yeah, we'll get to a time where there's this there's equal recognition, but it's not. So in the in-between time, I'm not going to sit around um, and wait for somebody to speak on Howard. I'm going to yell it. I'm going to scream it. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do so that my girl's hard work doesn't go unnoticed. That's at bare minimum what I can do. Um, while also growing the game, because when the game grows, so do we. When I took this job, there wasn't a full-time assistant. So, like, even that mindset of, like, wait for us, like, we're trying to keep up isn't really – that's not my thought process. Like, I want them to make another accountable coach because then I can go to my administration and complain and whine and do everything I need to do to now get me a second assistant. Um, that's the goal, and their growth is my growth. Um, so I want to see everyone win, and for softball to win – is for me to win, you know, and for other HBCUs to win. And so that's really important. I think that for us, um, we're on a quest to win a championship, but it's so interesting. Like when you, when you touch a little bit of success, genuinely on paper and resource wise, we really shouldn't even be like in a lot of the talks and in the positions we've been in since I've taken the job, the lowest we've taken in the conference is third place. Um, and that was a big jump. And so the expectations have changed faster than the resources. And that's a really like hard thing to gamble. Like you almost create this like, well, what do you need it for? Look what you're already doing. Um, mm. But it's a lot, you know? And so there's even just kind of playing with that right now. Um, and even me as a leader that like, hold on, there still is an amount of investment that has to happen for all of this to come together. Because yeah. like I said, the reality is we always get too off to a little bit of a slow start. And if you looked at the trend when I've been here, 
by mid mid March, sometimes April, we're taking off. We missed the conference tournament over COVID last year because they flipped it to I thought it was going to be top four overall, which we were, but it flipped, and I didn't even realize it. It was top in the two in the north, top two in the south, and so we were a third place. We were a third overall with the pitcher of the year and the player of the year, and didn't get to represent get you know mm-hmm. represent our conference in the tournament, and it burned. Um, but even with that, like we have found a way to compete and we started playing our best softball. I think that we almost, I think we lost one game almost throughout like April. And what happens is our lack of field um, and all of that. Like it's tough to learn how to play balls off the the wall and real cuts and relays when you don't have a wall and you're on a football field and it's rolling under the bleacher and you're trying to make it as realistic as possible. So there's a lot of little things that are very important to winning games, as you know, that we just flat out don't get to immediately jump into. And so even for me is I can't be bigger than the game. And I always have to accept that, that no matter what I am giving and doing, there's still big things that need to be addressed in order for this program to be where it could be. Cause we could be, I thought Bethune and fam, you got to a position in this program where they owned it. Um, and that was their strength of schedule. Um, I think that they, one, they got kids that weren't afraid to go compete against Florida and Florida State and UCF in a midweek. So by the time they got to play like Howard or somebody else, they weren't worried. Like, you go see Barnhill on Tuesday, ain't one pitcher in Alicia Ocasio, you're not about to be afraid of nobody on Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah. So I'm really trying to take that blueprint um, that Wiggins and Laura Watton set. Um, of they didn't come. It wasn't about their ego. They would go take their L's in a preseason and come and just dominate um, once they got to the tournament, right? Because their kids are playing at a different pace. Um, and, and what I think is really, really cool about that, and, and again, I just want to like tap into that, is that when you're trying to train a program up that is used to losing, you are worried when they lose because when mm-hmm. losers lose, they go to dark places. When a winner loses, they're like, immediately what's the resolution how do you flip out of it when yeah. you are accustomed to losing and you continue to lose it's it's you got it it gets emotional it gets personal now yeah. it's not now it's no longer i love my team i love howard i love my coaches it's it, it could be other things and so you the only real ingredient to fix that is to win a bit more because mm. when losers keep losing they can go to bad places and so yeah. for me it's like kind of judging that gap, but also kids who aren't going to be defined by their preseason, knowing here's the reality at this point, which is an end goal for me, though, I would love Howard to do what Watton did with that group when they got an at-large bid. They did not win their conference tournament and they were picked, right? Um, Because their RPI was high enough. And so ultimately that's the goal um, for me is I would love to build that here, but I think you got to crawl before you walk. The first thing we got to do is we got to be, in these championship games and competing in them. Um, and, and, and I think that that's the goal. I'm not, and we can't shy away from that. Howard softball, and we've always been, we're third place. We're third place. And I think that what's going to push us over the edge is I do think we're getting more depth and we're doing all of the things. Um, but we have got to be able to keep up with the Joneses a little bit in just what we have and being able to compete a little bit more year round so that we're not losing so much ground at the beginning. Um Again, my first year, it, if we have what we did that first year with me just like jumping in um, was a little unreal. We were a game away from the championship. Um, yep. But again, Howard softball always catches its ground 
about mid-April. And so I am happy this year it's a full tournament because I, I, I feel very strongly that we would have went on a very good run just based how we were playing by the end of the year last year. And so as a coach, you got to humble yourself and let these things play themselves off. We're too, off to a little slow start. We, we've lost about two innings. We're about two innings away from about six, six more um, dubs. But if I lose my mind, right, these early stages, if I start acting like a maniac knowing that I'm six outs away, it's going to be tough for them, right, to buy in when it really matters, which is made for us. And so right now, I think that we are on track. Um, but I do think that ultimately the first goal is we got to be in a position where, where we're in the championship game regularly. And yes. then from there, now you tra- you train them on, on the win. Because if you're in the championship regularly, you're a winner. That means you're yep. winning a lot. You're in a lot of championship games. Winners are going to find a way to win in those games. And then from there, we can start talking about being um, a national contender and at least being a, a bubble team. Um, that yep. Now it's not all relying on us winning our conference tournament. Um, we can now go start playing more competitive teams in our preseason um, and finding yeah. a way to sneak into the tournament. Um, and it is a big dream. And that dream isn't going to be attain- attainable for me until we have the right the right things in place to make that happen. But that's winning yeah. the conference tournament or at least being in the conference championship. We can do that right now. And yeah. um, it's convincing our girls that despite what we don't have, we have enough. Yeah. Yes. Mm, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. And given that you came from your playing career too, from a power five school that had resources, mm-hmm. Right. I would imagine that there's kind of like two sides to that. On the one hand, you're like, oh, OK, I, I know the things we need that would really help us. But yeah. on the other side, it's it, it could be challenging too. you know, where you're like, OK, that's that's kind of that winner's mentality. And what you experienced was like being a winner. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's shifting that whole, you know, culture, like you said, over into that lane. Yeah. And I think that was easy in Nebraska. You have Lori Sipple and Rhonda alums, like people who bled red. Um, and they, they're coaching you. And so there was already a culture in place of, of a tradition that it was your job to kind of upheld. What do you do when you're trying to be the tradition? Um, mm. And again, and when I, when I inherited, I don't know that everybody was like their end goal to like, I want to build this really rich tradition for Howard. The reality is we have such a good degree. So it's also, and I had to respect that, that there are some people that like their main goal was to graduate from Howard. And so even in the recruiting is like, how do you find that perfect mix? Because I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that sense of pride for just being a Howard University student. Um, But also, I want to leave this program so much better than what I found it and finding that really good hybrid and letting those two worlds collide. Um, Because it is important that that matters because Howard University stands for something much bigger than me getting a team to an NCAA tournament. If I'm being honest, it stands on so much more ground. It's not a tradition that's going to be built on million dollar buildings and really good football teams like, you know, that are there, these power five uh, football houses. Like it's not, that's not our tradition. We're not going to be built on facilities. It's going to be built on a different kind of pride. And I think that right now that's what, what, what are we and what do we stand on? It's in transition. Um, and yeah. I think that what we're trying to do is lay a solid foundation. And the hope is that now that the girls that are coming in more and more aren't on a hunt looking for it. It's there. Like, this is our standard. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that we've lost out a lot of time to set the standard um, just with the way things have worked out with COVID and everything. Um, so I think that, like I said, last year we got Kiana Carr, a transfer, that did a really good job mm-hmm. of, like, setting, giving us an idea of what it looks like when an athlete just 
dives into something um, and commits. But I still think that we're floating in that area. And I think that until that foundational piece is set, um, as con- consistently winning for a conference championship isn't going to be a real thing. We're going to always be good enough to compete. I mean, I do, we've, we've shown that, right? We're going to be a top three team um, to bust into being that top two every single year. Um, you got to have a foundation because it's much easier to compete when you're the hunter, but when you're the one being hunted, that's a different feeling. Um, and yeah. that was a feeling I think our girls felt at the beginning of last year. They got picked preseason to win it. And at the end of the day, they weren't no like lions like that yet. Like, wait, 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 they're coming for us. Like we had a, a meeting. Um, we were watching the first dance a lot this year and they, I let them go and they're doing their goals and they're like, you know, we're going to be these underdogs. And I'm like, okay guys, I got to break the news to you. Um, the whole underdog thing was like your first year that's out. Yeah. Like you, they are hunting you. Like people are getting excited to literally beat you. Like you target know, on your back. Yeah. Yeah. They laughed about it. I'm like, you guys, you had the player of the year and the pitcher of the year on your team last year. You ain't yeah. sneaking up on nobody. <laughs> so that was like, uh, even that, that's what I mean, though. It's this innocence that they, they're they stepping into their greatness. And yeah. that is something that requires an immense amount of patience. Um, and, and as a coach, you can't push them into that. It has to be something that you can encourage it. Um, you can con- you can hype it up. But to step into it, that hits different. Because once they mm-hmm. do, that's theirs to keep. I don't want the power of them stepping into their greatness because that means I can take them out of it. I don't want that kind of power. I want them to step into it because they did it. They believe in it. Um, and I think that we're... We're like tipped. We're on there. They're like tipping in the water a little bit, um, but it's very, very close. And I think that when enough of them do that, um, it is going to be a very, very powerful thing. Yes, you're right. These distinctions that you're making, I think, are so important, too. And some of them are kind of subtle. But the, but if you just make that little adjustment mentally, like it does make a huge difference with mm-hmm. how, how you look at everything, how you think about things, and then ultimately, obviously, how you perform, you know, and how you behave as a human. Yeah. Like these are these are the little things. That's why we say like it's like get the little things right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but for for you to having been a player, see, this is what I love about female coaches. Like you walk the path, you know what I mean? Like we we know like when people are in positions like yours, it's like you know what it's like to play and be on that field. So for you, what are or are there any specific lessons? And you've already touched on some, but that as a player, you, you've taken into your time as a coach. Yeah. I mean, I just, for me, I, and being the kind of student athlete I was, there was, this is not like some fancy story of like, I've worked really hard in the classroom, in the field, and everything has worked out for me. I was like probably a headache. I mean, if I'm being honest, I was Coach Ravel's like biggest headache. Um, and that's why I like owe her so much because she loved on me regardless. She didn't love on me because it was easy. Like trust and believe that. And so I do always have a soft spot for the troubled. I'm not going to lie, like a little bit or like, all right, I got off course and Coach Ravel championed me um, and pushed me to the end. And so one thing that I know, my last play, I dropped a pop-up against U-Triple-S-A Pride, and that is how I had to close mm-hmm. out my career. Um, and just not mm-hmm. knowing when it ends. And at the end of the day, um, when you don't really dive in, you don't want to end this feeling like there was more you could have gave it. Um, and so that's just a message and a theme that I always try to give my girls. Because even me, you can be the coolest. That's going to burn you. It's going to hurt you when you knew you had something else to give. And you're never yeah. going to be in that position to give it with those people ever again. Um, and so yep. I have to settle for being able to give it from this side of the field now, which at the end of the day, I've always thought, even when I was playing 
this is the side I was supposed to be on. And plane was like this muse that I had to go through. Always had yeah. that in my gut. Like I got to survive this so that I can get to this. But um, I think about uh, athletes that I got to compete with um, and the way they attack the game in so many different styles. And I try to share that with them, that everybody's path to greatness is going to look different. But one thing that we all want to do is we want to leave that field and feel really good about not only like what we did and that we gave it at all, but how you made people feel while doing it. Um, and I do think that that's something when we're young and we're immature, we don't think that matters. Like, you know, I don't care. I, I'm not, it doesn't matter how I, I, you're, I'm not responsible for how you feel or how I made you feel. We absolutely are. And there's power in that. The most powerful moments of my career are when a teammate, when I know I was able to uplift them and I know my words or my presence did something for them. Um, and so just even, I think that we have a duty to do that. Um, and I think that as much as students, students and parents and coaches were talking about like mental health, like some of the best things you can do for your own health is to do good on to people and be a light to people. Um, and I think that there needs to be more emphasis on that. Like we have to train these kids that your worth doesn't come from results, but it is going to come from how you make people feel because yes. if you don't make people feel good, you can start dealing with the sense of isolation um, and, and, and relationships are so transactional. And so just reminding my girls that as we're on a quest to change this program, you can also change it by how you make other human beings feel. Like yes. when you meet and you hang out with them, you're going to think about these stories that had nothing to do with the hit. Very yes. rarely do the best players on the team get like talked about when you huddle and go. Like you talk about yeah. the curfews you missed. You talk about like the dumb things that happen. You talk about the person that made you laugh, the person who did everything wrong. Like you talk about all of those things. And I think that finding joy in moments and not in results, not in playing time. And yeah, that is going to cause stress on anyone. Find joy in making these memories that are going to last forever. And in yeah. parents encouraging that. Because the reality is when they hang up, when they leave our field, they don't come to us. They yeah. go to their parents. And so I think that's so important. Like just a general message. And it's something I really try to feed into my girls. Like, my dad, I would call about like so many things about playing time or anything. And he'd be like, totally change the subject. And I'm like, bro, are you even listening to me? Like all the time, <laughs> my whole career. And I'm so grateful because had he given me even a little seed to plant of like, this isn't your fault. This is messed up. Like I would have went crazy with it, you know, like, so, and, yeah. and that would have messed with me because now I'm alone in Nebraska. Like, yeah, my dad thinks I'm right too. Like, you yeah. know, it would have been so tough. And luckily, all I could do was just dive into being a teammate and a friend and yeah. making these unbelievable memories, you know, that I can now go back on and have so much pride in my career and how you carry yourself and treat people does so much. I think people in Nebraska forget how bad I was. And it's so funny. Like, even when I'm at camps, they're like, talk about this great career. And I'm like, bro, I was a bench warmer. Like, I played one <laughs> year, like my junior year. But it is amazing. That is all just in like being able to be present and how you carried yourself. Genuinely, I get like read it like I really did something. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Like it's just so much bigger than results or any of these things. And so I really try to feed my athletes with that energy and that perspective um, because it is. And I think trying to find that hybrid. And you said something earlier. I remember like they when they started matching, they carried themselves different. Because now you're like this tribe. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm with Howard Softball. 
you know, the girl yeah. in the gray shirt and the black shorts, like it's matching and it seems so small, but it means everything. And so that was, yeah. we didn't even have enough gear when I first got here to do that. So that was like a priority. And so this stuff is great and building a program is great, but it's also building foundation for life because when you're building something, it's going to come with things trying to like tear it down and, you know, things getting in the way um, and yep. you have to overcome. So all of this is, is building a foundation that is going to be great for Howard Softball, but great for them when they become mothers and parents and wives and whatever it is they're going to jump into and friends and just the humans that they're going to be. Yeah. I'm, I was laughing earlier too, because I just recently had a Stanford softball reunion for like one of our old teammates weddings. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. No one talked about anything that was really on the field. It was all about like the locker room, like yeah. the bus on travel day, like everything you just said is a hundred percent. Right. And you reminded me of that Maya Angelou quote where it's like, people are going to forget what you did, forget what you said, but they'll remember how you make them feel. And it's very, very true. Mm -hmm. And I, but I will say like you have, like, it's so funny because there's a lot of dad coaches, right? Like in softball and, and there's, I have that relationship with my dad. I mean, he didn't coach in my travel ball, maybe as much as your dad did, right? Like Corona Angels, like everyone knows Marty, but um, he, he was my personal coach. So there's a lot of that, but you're also now like, you have a coach who taught you as a player who can now even be someone who coaches you as a coach. Like there are a lot of layers. Yeah. I'm like, you know what I mean? And that I'm sure that's like an entertaining dynamic too yeah. at times. It annoys my mom when I get home. I'll say that. <laughs> we are definitely like both softball heads. And it's so funny because we used to go edit when he was like, when he was dad coach, um, it was like, it was tougher. And now that it's like coach dad and like, we're just vibing. It's like, we could, we could do it all day and we can talk it all day. And my mom always goes, I'm in the house with the two greatest coaches in the world. Like she'll just make fun <laughs> of us because that's all we do. And I love it. And it's like, just like Dina used to be his favorite, I think, because she was a firstborn. I think it's definitely up to me on the favorite level. A little bit. Yes. Wait, I love that you just say it. That's the best. I'm just you saying, just say it. I'm just mm -hmm. saying our love for um, softball. And I do say, like, Taylor White played for my dad, and then my sister Dominique obviously coaches with my dad. And she'll always be like, you're Marty. I like, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I will say, like, there are moments where I'm like, all right, that was a little bit of a Marty moment, um, for <laughs> sure. But um, obviously I'd be lying to say that he didn't have such a huge impact in um, just how he went about it. One thing that I wish I had, my dad didn't care what people thought of him because he knew what he stood on. And that is mm -hmm. always something that I, as a, I think it's easier sometimes for men to do that. I think that we're so conscious of what people think and feel about us just inherently as a woman. Um, and then me, especially as a black woman, um, always kind of on edge with that. And I, that is something that I'm training myself to kind of be is he, he knew what he stood on and he never let yes. that bother him or take him off course. And so that is stuff that I go to him about even more than X's and O's. Yes. It's, it reminds me of what you said earlier where you're like, even <laughs> on my worst day, I can rely on this, right? It's like, if you know what you stand for, mm -hmm. you might have a terrible day or a week or even months or a year, right? But you know like you have that to fall back on and to lean on and not everybody does, you know, like it's true. Not everybody does. So it makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I also have always um, been curious too about like your sister dynamic, like what you talked, touched on a little bit too, but just, you know, obviously Dina's like a PAC 12 alum. So I, you know, I knew who she was like, she was, she was out before I had come in yeah. uh, at Stanford, but it's, I just, I love like the softball family stuff, man. I mean, we talk about like the athlete families, like, there might be like a football family or like there's LeBron and Bronny, you know, but like the softball families are, are fun. Yeah. 
it's 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 always layers. We me and Dominique are definitely um that we had we heckle Dina the worst just because she's like <laughs> our little all American and like all of her stories are like you know my all American years. So we like crack on her all the time. Um, Dina definitely Dina. This is why she was Marty's favorite because she was by the book. She was in the backyard with Marty all the time, and he loved it. And then me and Dominique were definitely like we laughed because like. He was such a great daddy. He'd come home from work and like want to practice, and like we were definitely the outliers in that. Like we would beat the system because we knew he had lessons, so we would like you know trying to like stay under the radar and like oh man, only ten minutes till his lesson gets here. Let's go practice. That is why Dina is an all American. Dina was like just a different kind of worker, and he didn't give her much of an option. He gave me and Dominique way too much rope. And then baby Donna was like the baby. So she did her own little path. But it's so funny because I think even the way we all approach softball is very different. Um, yeah. And we do. Obviously, a lot of our conversations are just softball story times. Um, but it's with the grandkids in the mix, Marty and Donna, it's mainly the grandkids that like we're yeah. centered around. They have gone into full popo and granny mode. Um, yeah. So softball doesn't dictate the conversations for long because one of them got to jump in and be the center. Um, so yeah. that has been a great just change. And Skyler completely going a different route with basketball. Um, and the boys are like heavy into football. So it is a great change of pace when we all get together as sisters. It's very much on like auntie levels at that yeah. point. Um, so it's really, really cool. Oh, I love that so much. I, I'm an aunt too. Like my niece is, she's going to be 15 soon, which is wild. Wow. And then I know it's, <laughs> I was a young aunt. Let's yeah. just, so I don't age myself too much. Uh, but you know, and my nephew just turned seven, which is still weird too, but and he's mm-hmm. playing baseball. So that's like the best. My dad's like all over it. Sounds yeah. similar to Marty, right? Where it's like, oh yes, let's do this. Dina's um, boys don't do any baseball. So I do feel really? for him. And yeah. Tyler is not doing softball. She said the weather changes too much. So Oh, Skyler. I mean, I'm, but I will say glad they're in sports because there are so many, there's still so many parallels, you know, it's like, obviously we like, we like the bat and ball sports here, but you know, at least they're doing something, but but you're right. Being like an aunt, I mean, you're a mother as well. Um, and that'll, you know, someday for me, but right now, like being aunt's the best. And I feel like you almost get some of those like sister relationships, cousin relationships, aunt relationships like in softball too with like coaches mm-hmm. like I feel like you have such a big tribe like and some of it's from your pro coaching time too like you know I see Stacy Newman like giving you a hard time sometimes you know because you guys know each other well and I, I just I think it's cool how you lean on your people because mm-hmm. I you know I try to work on doing that more <laughs> especially during these times like I said when it got out um, about Skyler's dad passing it was just a reminder. It's such like this just amazing feeling to know that across the country, these people, um, even the, some of the Twitter messages I got from people that I maybe even spoken to one time, um, it is felt, you know, and like I, this is yeah. the first traumatic thing I've had in a, in a while. Um, and so just that reminder that when you are going through trauma, like I, I want to just take that time to say that like my tribe of people, like I know they're like, it might be a little message to them. It means the world when you're like, feeling really, really low and really, really sad. So it has been amazing just to have their like love and support. And you're absolutely right. Skylar has so much. I, I've gotten Skylar returned to me at softball fields by other college coaches um, <laughs> when we're recruiting because she like runs around the place. Like it's like her playground. <laughs> I've had teams, like I've been at their field and they're like, hey, just like, you know, your daughter's at the basketball court. And like, um, and it is, it is an amazing feeling, especially coming into this, 
as a single mom and thinking there wasn't a place for me to do it to now being able to see my daughter grow up in it. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, and her have all of these women and men who just look after her and love on her, even when I'm not around. Um, it is amazing. I mean, Skylar's so comfortable in it. She wears other schools shirts when I'm out recruiting and I'm like, babe, you gotta be like a little respectful of my program. <laughs> like paying your bills, like Kelly, I like in Lisa Cena and UCLA shirt. Just running around yeah. and like, I mean, it's just a good time. And I am just so grateful without crying again um, for my people um, that have, that because they, they are, they stand up in this softball village that I've been able to create um, by taking risk and going to many different places. Um, it's just a reminder that it was all for a reason. I have to tell you that um, from the conversations we've had and just from what I can tell with, with how people support you. That's a lot. That's a huge credit to you on why you have that. It's exactly what you said earlier. It's about like how how you make people feel is huge. And clearly you make people feel good. Right. And like you fire me up, you know, like I was so happy to have you on on this on this episode and just talk to you in general, like even if it wasn't recorded, you know what I mean? And so the fact that you even have that is a testament to you. Thank you. You know? Yeah. Well, on that note, oh, I mean, I know we could keep going forever, but I will uh, wrap it up with a game that I play with everybody. I don't think we did this on the panel because there was like multiple people, but I do it with all the one-on-ones. Okay. Um, and it's just called Safer Out. Basically, I'll bring something up. If you like it or if you agree with it, you'll call it safe. If you don't like it or agree with it, you'll call it out. Okay. Right. Yeah. Easy enough, right? You're like, you're a coach. You get it. <laughs> Um, okay, so the first thing is POs, meaning pitcher onlys that don't, you know, hit, field, any of that stuff. Safer out. Field. Like, well, okay, field. sorry. I'm like, they better. No, pick. they need to. Yeah. Lo, oh my gosh. And I'm a huge proponent of that. So I'm so mad at myself for not clarifying <laughs> that. No, I mean, like, play another position okay. is what I mean. Safe, safe. Do what, do, do what we are willing to commit to working on. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. I was just curious because I know like you pitched, right? And like you're a pitching coach. And so I was like, and I played outside in Nebraska. I think that why yeah. I'm safe on that is that I think that it's fine to tell kids to do both, but to know a division one schedule, that means that you're like having to go do extra reps of something on their own because it never aligns with our hours. And so I right. think that to do both requires a different level of commitment and emotional maturity. Um, and at the end of the day, I've watched some people that completely crumble with that stress. Like, when do I get my hitting time in and my pitching time in and also stay on top of my school? So safe, it is something that, um, you're, you're, that you know that this is the highest you can max out on it. Yep. Very fair. Like I love versatility, mm -hmm. but I agree with you that it, we also shouldn't, the same way we shouldn't cookie cutter pitchers to only make them pitch. We also shouldn't force them to do everything, right? Like there should be no cookie cutter in yes. general. There we go. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. I think that was good. Um, okay. Next one is name image likeness or basically players getting paid. Safe. Safe. Thrive, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling that's what you would say. I had a feeling. <laughs> but I get, I get it too. You know, it's like, I think, I think my only thing with it is like, we just have to make sure we do it right. If that yeah. makes sense. But I think, you know, so I think for women in particular, it's mm. an opportunity. Yeah. You know, because we women have like social followings and like all the things in place. We just haven't really had that kind of opportunity. So 
I'm I'm with you that doing it right and just not just to, just don't do it just to do it and now you're putting yeah. your name on something like that is so like ridiculous. Um, but yeah. I think it could be really cool that if you have a passion about something, you can now combine those worlds and you know and be able to thrive. And again, I think even just like mental health, like if you could find happiness and I at bare minimum, I want to show up and I want to be this light because I'm representing something like yeah bigger than myself. I think it's cool and I um I, it's been cool to watch it done correctly for sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. Love it. All right. Last one is bat flips. Safer out. Ah, safe. YOLO. I had a feeling I was like, she's going to load the bases. It'll be three safes. I, right. I, at the end of the day, all I ask is you keep that same energy after a strikeout. Cause I love a swagged out strikeout too. Like, mm. whoo, you lucky. I just missed that. I just want same energy. I don't want like after strikeouts, Bat flipping crazy on home runs. Just keep the same energy, and I and I'm all for it. I like that. No one's ever like mentioned that in particular. Yeah. Uh, meaning, like you know, what if it's you know when it's not going well? What's your energy going to be like? No one's really ever said that before, and I think that's a really good point. Yep. Same energy. I'm yeah. Down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, th this was awesome. I mean, I, you know, I always love talking to you, but it was really fun to get you back on the pod. Again, you're like in such an, a special group. I feel like honored that like you, Natasha and, and Victoria Hayward have all said, yeah, we'll do it again. You know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I feel thank honored. you. So thank you. I'm two Olympians and I got to come look at that. That's what I mean, people. It's all about vibes. I have no <laughs> business being on that list as a repeat. If you look at numbers, in career playing careers period but you do as a human trust Thank me you. i love it yes. i'm so it's always a good time talking to you it's so natural so i appreciate that yeah of course this conversation with tori was exactly what i needed when i needed it and i didn't even know it at the time but she's just the type of person that makes you think and she makes you feel at the same time so i just hope that you appreciated her and her energy as much as i do and with that, let's transition to the Foul Tip of the Week. This week's Foul Tip is about leaning on your people. This is a lesson that I've been trying to learn in my life. And Tori really helped me push along in that process. And we recorded this interview the day before I found out about my grandpa's passing. So to hear her open up about losing her daughter's dad and how much she's leaned on her softball community to help her and to help Skylar get through it and just have their back. It struck a chord with me. I usually, you know, I try to do everything myself. I don't want to be a burden. I'm strong. I can do it myself. I'm independent. Like those are the types of thoughts that I typically have. But with the news of my grandpa this time, I actually let myself receive help, if that makes sense. So like Tori, you know, I have some amazing friends, people dropping off goodies for me, sending me a DoorDash gift card, just calling to check in. Like normally in those situations, I just say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You know, please don't feel like you have to. But this time, rather than doing that, I just said, you know what? Thanks so much for the gift card. I will definitely use this. And thank you for the cookies. I already ate all of them. You know, like, I let myself feel my feelings and accept the support. That's what I'd want my friends to do, right? Like if I was trying to support them, so I let myself do it. And it was one of the first times that I actually felt myself really leaning on and relying on other people 
without feeling guilt or feeling weak. You know, it, it was exactly what I needed and it helped. It helped me be better in terms of supporting my mom too, because I was supported. So I wasn't pouring from an empty cup in that way. And I will say like Tori inspired me to do that through her story. And I will always be grateful to her for that. So I say to you, you know, don't be afraid to receive or accept what you need because it's incredibly freeing and it makes all the difference for you and everybody around you. So that's it. Lean on your people. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcast, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Subscribe, rate, and write a review for the show on all the channels if you can. I always appreciate your support and hearing what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B L E A V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.